That's right, Jan. And just when you think they're about to break apart... Don't get FOMO. And when the wind blows hard and the sky is black... Don't get FOMO. And when the roosters are crowing and the cows are spinning circles in the pasture... Uh, okay. Don't get FOMO. Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is The FOMO Show. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is a podcast where you'll hear about blockchain, cryptocurrency, emerging markets and future tech in relatively plain English. We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get the fear of missing out. You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for The FOMO Show on your platform of choice. Everything in this show is in the show notes, so you can find links to the stuff we're talking about and timestamps to the relevant parts, so you can always skip ahead or find it later. So this episode we'll be talking about... Uh, the internet trends for 2018. Yep, yep. Pretty exciting stuff. We got a, an interview with a blockchain center down in Melbourne. Really exciting stuff that going on there. Mm, we'll be discussing uh, some updates from VeChain and Tezos in our uh, in our regular crypto update segment. Which is pretty controversial, but um, anyway, that Tezos were pretty controversial. But, uh, interesting <laughs> yeah, to see it's, what's it's going interesting. on there. It's interesting. Yeah. The project exists. Yeah. Like in, in, in real form, which is um, an amazement for some of us, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll touch on that. Um, we've also got some cool tools to look through as well. Amazing. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on them. And uh, we're also featuring YubiKey in our privacy and security segment. Amazing. Well, let's get into it. If you want to be part of the show, you can record a voice message in our Telegram channel or emails at fomoshow at protonmail.com. So what have you been up to this last couple of weeks? Yeah, mate. So we had our first blockchain for business meetup here in Brisbane, mm, and uh, th- mm, big thank you to everyone that turned up. It was yeah. a, it was a really good night, um, a really good cross section of of people from different industries. We yeah, had we some, had some programmers. Yeah, yeah, we had some um, we had some business business owners there, government uh, people. Yeah, we had some government people show up, which was really good, and just just a lot of. Very interested parties. So um, mm. we're having the next one here in Brisbane on the 16th of July. Amazing. So we're just trying to build a, a really good collaborative community. Some really exciting stuff going on there. It's mm. just so exciting to see just how many people are turning up for like a blockchain to, for business meetup. Yeah. I was personally pretty surprised. I mean, it's like going up to someone in 98 and being like, whoa, let's have an, in- well, an let's internet. Have an internet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just it, people would have just laughed you out the door yeah 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 meanwhile a few years later everyone would have been like wow like that makes a lot of sense yeah. but um yeah so it's it, it, it's good and, and there's been people that have reached out afterwards as well and said hey mm. couldn't make the first one but really keen to get involved and mm. get to the second one mm. um and there is a lot going on that i think we don't see uh there are there are several businesses that have popped up uh, on my radar since we've been running it simply because they reached out and said, hey, this is what we're doing. So so if you want to get involved uh, with the Blockchain for Business Meetup, if you want to you know, talk to people for two minutes about what your company does, or if you're looking to, to get get involved in a project that's there, we're going to be including a bit more community sort of community discussion in that. So mm. feel free to get in touch and we'd love to, love to talk to you. Yeah. So uh, what have you been doing, mate? Mate, I've just been staring at Happy gifs on the internet. It's been pretty exciting. <laughs> so nothing, nothing to report really. I'm, oh, okay. Yeah, pretty uneventful. Very happy. Cool. 
A bit of disclosure, this is not investment or any other type of advice. Um, new different projects come, seem to be popping up every day, uh, and it's hard to know which ones are legit and which ones aren't. So we're not saying you should buy anything at all. For full disclosure, we're both personally invested in different cryptocurrencies, some of which we talk about on the show. But if we talk about a project, it doesn't mean you should buy it. So do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose, and most of all, avoid the fear of missing out. And speaking of which... I'm actually jumping back in. It's actually such a good time to <laughs> not investment or any other type of advice. But the prices have just been sitting low. Yeah, they have. It's like mid-2017 again. I'm happy with mm, that. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm doing similar myself personally. I've been evaluating several projects and nice. you know just, just picking my targets. But uh, but yeah, look, it's, I think it's a good time to, to – for me personally, I think it's a good time to jump in and, uh, and even not just in purchasing things but mm. also – there's a lot of projects out there that may not have as many people mining them anymore mm. or uh, or staking on them anymore. So I think the general interest from a financial side of things has cooled off a lot. So mm. um, that's generally when it's uh, when there's opportunities. Mm. Mm. If you're new to the show and new to crypto, you can check out our Blockchain Basics series. It starts from episode two and continues until around about episode eight. It'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. So, what have we got in the news this week? Oh, there's quite a bit of stuff to get through. Um, first up is shout out to Shan, one of our listeners, for dropping this in our FOMO Telegram chat channel. There was quite a reaction from some of the other listeners. <laughs> a few blown minds from this. On the sixth day, Satoshi rested. Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a medium post which has some really Interesting um, insights or investigations or just theory crafting about the one of the block hashes on the Bitcoin on the Bitcoin ledger. So, what, what's the basic premise of it? It's basically looking at the genesis block of Bitcoin, which is a, famously the first blo- first block that Satoshi mined on his own before the network was uh, was out in the wild, and it, it's looking into the the source code he used to mine it. The uh, computer he used to mine it on, and some of the essentially some of the information held within that block. Mm-hmm. And previously, you know, it's, it was just assumed that yeah, that was just the first block. But uh, but there seems to be the possibility of some hidden messages in there. The long and short of this is, we recommend you look at the medium post, but if you click on it, be warned. You're going to go down a rabbit hole. Yep. And I got lost for about an hour after clicking on that link. Um, so, buyer beware. Yep. <laughs> like, I, we're still trying to, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, like, exactly what the consequences are. And you do kind of finish going down the rabbit hole and you're like, have I learned, have I learned anything? Mm-hmm. Or is this all just, you know, complete theory crafting? But, uh, so, yeah. There's a bit of intrigue, bit of mystery. If you mm. fancy a blockchain conspiracy, take a look at the post. Eighty <laughs> percent of ICOs are frauds. What's that all about? Yeah, well, that's at least according to a uh, a blockchain analyst from from Bloomberg. So Bloomberg recently reported that an ICO analyst and a business author and investor who writes for Bloomberg, Aaron Brown, uh, said that uh, there have obviously been a, a lot of fraud and hype in the ICO market. I accept figures. I've seen that 80% of ICOs were frauds and 10% lacked substance and failed shortly after raising money. 
most of the remaining 10% will probably fail as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. there's some interesting graphs in the article. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, essentially, it's, it's, it, it seems that uh, the vast majority of these ICOs are turning out to either be vaporware, failing, um, dwindling, or uh, promising a lot more than they can actually deliver on. But well, at least from what Bloomberg is saying, 81% of these uh, ICOs are actually scams. Mm. And he's saying investors may have still lost as much as $500 million. Um, wow. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So... It's just another reinforcement that you really need to uh, do your due diligence and be very careful about what you put your money in uh, because there just there still is a lot of fraudulent activity out there at the moment. The Brave browser, they've added Tor browsing tabs and uh, basic attention token payments into the wallet system. Yeah, so this is uh, this is really interesting. So Brave is a browser. We've talked about it before, which natively blocks a lot of apps, and it natively comes with uh, MetaMask. And what it also has in the background is this basic attention token system, which is like a uh, it's like an anonymous anonymized marketing system where advertisers can essentially pay you for your attention, and it's designed to be- give you ad- advertisements that you actually want to see. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's a it's a very novel way and a, a game theory based way to make you look at ads, mm-hmm. uh, but to also get something back for looking at the ads. Mm. Um, and uh, so they've just they've just put the network online, so it's now integrated into the Brave browser system. You can download Brave, and you can actually get some uh, basic attention token airdropped into your wallet, mm. so you can start using the system and see what you think. Wow. Um, I've been playing around with it a little bit. I, th- I think it's still in the very early stage, so I'm I'm not. Uh, it's it's definitely not where it needs to be, but the uh, the Tor browsing component is is really interesting mm. because uh, Tor, for those of you that don't know, is is a lot of the time referred to as the dark web, but mm. it's essentially a way to bra- browse even more anonymously. It's all quite a lot slower, but generally regarded as a more secure, more private way to browse mm. and. You used to have to use a completely different browser, but Brave can now allow you within the browser. You just click, right-click and hit open in mm. Tor browser or open a Tor browser tab and it'll just open it for you right there in the browser. Wow. Um, so, for those of you that are more privacy and security-minded, uh, it is just another way it's to- more uh, boxes, that browser. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and they, they continue to do some really good things. Next one. Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport is letting travellers swap leftover euros for crypto. I'm sure you've probably been on holiday abroad and you found you've had just coins yep. that you bought back and you had nothing. <laughs> yep. Like, it was too little to exchange yep. at one of those places kind of cool it's got like an atm service facilitated through a partnership with a dutch software firm i can't even pronounce it biolex it's currently at the beginning of a six-month trial to determine if there's sufficient demand from travelers what do you reckon of the idea i think it's a great idea i think it's i think it's really good because you, you don't have to i mean you can essentially transfer the money into a crypto which you can use all around the world so even if you're going somewhere else if you're still traveling it will mean that you you know you, you don't have to worry about transferring your currency each place you go into you know you can just transfer it into crypto so nice. if you're traveling through amsterdam make sure you use it yeah. like go and use it because it seems like they're saying that the the demand needs to be there mm. for them to keep it going mm-hmm. so yeah, get along there and use it. I mean, would would you use it? Definitely. I mean, I'd rather that than pointless euros that I'm never going to spend. <laughs> I think I've still got some euros from like over <laughs> over 10 years ago. It's true. It's like franc coins. Yeah. Like France used to have those. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
And they're worth less and less each year too. So, so. true. It's depressing. So the next bit of news, Andreessen Horowitz launches, has launched a $300 million long-term cryptocurrency fund. So what was going on with this one, Joe? So Andreessen Horowitz, um, co-run by Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz. Mark Andreessen was uh, part of the Netscape team back in the day. Yeah. Um, they're launching this $300 million fund, which is basically looking at a 10-year time frame of investment in ICOs. Now, it's being headed up by a former Department of Justice prosecutor who actually led the first sort of task force for the Department of Justice against the Silk Road, I believe. So, lover or hater, she She gets results. Yeah. (laughs) So, she's... um, Yeah, and one of the partners at Andreessen Horowitz had an interesting quote. He said, you squint one way and it's a whole new asset class, speaking of ICOs. You squint another way and it looks like the venture capital world. Mm. So, interestingly, they're getting in on it. But another interesting point that Zero Hedge made was they're making it separate from their regular investment stuff. Mm. Do they think it's too much of a risk? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yep. Mm. Very true. High Fidelity. Who are they? So, High Fidelity are a uh, relatively new virtual reality company and they're headed up by Philip Rosedale, who... Is actually the uh, the CEO of former CEO of Second Life, wow. which is basically the largest virtual ro- world mm, economy. Mm. Uh, it's been running for about fifteen years, I think, yeah, out of Lincoln Labs. Um, last I remember hearing, they had about a four billion dollar economy uh, running on that. So he's got a lot of pedigree. Um, it was his uh, his brainchild. Yeah, seven hundred million dollars in annual transaction volume. So, uh, and that's still at the moment fifteen-year platform. So, uh, very, very good track record of success. And uh, High Fidelity is a open-source platform for building distributed social virtual reality worlds. That's the way they're mm. building it, and uh, they've essentially built it. So they're, they're building the core software, and then they're allowing people to spin up their own little worlds within this software. So wow. I had a quick look and they've got like a national park already in there. They've got a, a virtual dance floor um, wow. where they have like real DJs come and play and everyone can get in there when the, the club opens wow. and uh, actually, you know, like mingle. Uh, they've even got a, uh, a market district which has a blockchain back end. So they've already been experimenting with blockchain technology um, and they're saying that they want to create – uh, leverage blockchain technology to allow VR developers to create linkable experiences that can be deployed across platforms. So, for example, let's say you're a one of these developers and you're working on a sci-fi world and then you do like a, a Western world or something, mm-hmm. but you want the currency to be shared across those worlds. So you don't want people to have to you know, drop in out of one, in one currency and then drop into another. You just want the currencies to be shared mm-hmm. as, you, as you move between these experiences. Their view is that you could have an open, transparent, secure currency with this, this open ledger technology. So, um, High Fidelity, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of work behind the scenes to essentially bridge that gap between VR and blockchain. And uh, last I saw, they've, they've, been, they've been backed by Galaxy Digital, who are one of the big mm-hmm. backers of... EOS mm. and do, and and that and I think I saw that High Fidelity have, have confirmed that they will be developing for the EOS platform. So wow. that's that's going to be their their back end in some capacity for their blockchain tech. But look, go check out High Fidelity because it's mm. it's really exciting stuff. So I think I think you had a look at at it too, Joe. I was just stunned at the fact that not only have Linden Labs, who are actually the company that 
run Second Labs, mm. uh, Second Life, invested in them, but also HTC, who run the HTC Vive headset. Boy, yeah. Google Ventures have backed them as well. Mm. And a bunch of like, blockchain capital um, run by Block Pierce, is it? Yeah, I think that's Block, Block, Block Pierce's. Pierce's, yeah. And it's Galaxy Digital's Mike Novogratz. So, yeah. I mean, that's some big names. And whether it, f- it succeeds or not, they've got 35 million cash and 50 employees. Yeah. It means that they can move fast yeah. and break things. Yeah, and look, like VR, VR is like it hasn't had its moment yet. But you talk to a lot of people in the know, and they're saying either VR or AR is going to be one of those things that will mm. just take off. You can bet Facebook's going to be trying it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it just it it makes sense for that that if you got someone with the pedigree of uh, Philip Rosedale backing something, like heading something up. That uh, you'd be, you'd definitely be willing to get involved. Mm. Mm. So definitely one to watch. Wherever you're joining us from, absolute pleasure having you here. Want to drop into our Telegram channel and say hello? You can get to it at fomo.show/telegram. And you'd be very welcome there as well. What's this week's cool tool? Yeah, so this week's cool tool is uh, two cool tools. So just just wanted to touch on a couple of things really quickly. The first one is called ICO Alert. And we're a little little bit reticent normally to recommend ICO tools and um, ICOs in Mm. general. But... um, the reason I've I've recommended ICO Alert as a place to uh to to even just look at and vet some of these uh these ICOs is because they are uh, they're very careful about what they uh, they don't normally even recommend anything they'll just do some quite in depth uh, reports on different projects and uh, mm. they've got they've got a, a podcast so they they release quite an amount of material with podcasts right and. I just find their platform quite intuitive. I find that they do, uh, they give you the information that you need when you're looking at these projects. And uh, they're pretty open too about the way that they go about their ranking system. So, for those of you that don't know, a lot of these ICO aggregators will take payments from ICOs for recommendations. Mm. Uh, these guys are pretty clear that they don't. So they've um, they've come out and said that's not how they work, and uh, and you know, they just essentially provide a source for these ICOs to uh, um, to to be listed, and then they review them very critically. So wow. that's what I like about it. Um, if look as far as ICOs goes, the more information, the better. And I think this is this has been a source that I've found quite useful. Uh, what's the second tool? So the second tool is uh, it, it popped up on my newsfeed about a week ago, and. Uh, it's called Coinopsy, and there's another one which we'll, we'll put in the show notes as well, um, which is called Dead Coins, I think. And uh, it's essentially a list of all the dead projects and deprecated coins that uh, just aren't aren't uh, being developed anymore or aren't working anymore. And so I think it's it's a really useful one because there are a lot of coins still listed on certain exchanges and right. uh, there are a lot of coins that you may still be able to to buy in one sense or another um, and this is really good to see if the coin is dormant if it's dead if it's a scam they list a lot of scam coins as well um, mm. and it just provides a really good source of information as to the current status of coins mm. and for example there's a coin up there called uh, atomic coin and for the, for the, those of you that know last week we featured a project called cosmos mm. and cosmos had a i think a closed funding round so that none of their coins their coin is actually available anywhere at the moment wow. as far as i know but at atomic coin and and the, their coin for short is called adam right. and there's another coin out there called adam which is atomic coin and it's a scam coin. It's actually listed on this site as a scam coin. Oh. So, uh, so 
and you could be very, you could be quite easily mistaken into buying that, thinking you're buying into this Cosmos project, which Jeez. will probably be like, a, I, I think it's going to be a very good project. Um, but uh, it's just for your due diligence before you, you know, go out and actually put down your cold hard cash or your cold hard crypto on some of these things. It's just worth checking one of these lists to make sure that it doesn't pop up there. So, in this week's crypto update, we're doing uh, an update on the smart contract platform Tezos, uh, whose beta net is live, and we're also covering VeChain, which has launched their blockchain. Let's start with Tezos. Tezos, mm. what's going on there? Yeah, so for those of you guys that um, that didn't run into Tezos last year, it was one of the largest ICOs uh, ever that ran last year, and it's been mining controversy. So the mm. the development team, quite famously, was a husband and a wife, and then they had another backer. Uh, I think was head of the foundation, which they were meant to be setting up. And uh, they had a, a very, very well-publicized disagreement. Um, there was a lot of concerns whether the project would actually even get off the ground or not. Um, but they've finally kind of worked their differences out and uh, and the internet is now live. So they're planning on doing what's called a mainnet switch, which right. is moving from their Ethereum ERC-20 token mm-hmm. over to a uh, their own blockchain around about mid the middle of this month of right. July. Uh, but the the uh, the blockchain is live, so they've mined the the block. You can go on GitHub, you can install the software. Um, they're currently you know testing it out, uh, but yeah, it's 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 all come up. Wow. So what is Tezos? Yeah, so Tezos is a it's a proof of stake uh, blockchain. With a governance model which is quite similar to Dash, it's, it's governed by token holders, and uh, and these token holders essentially have the potential to make decisions about okay. what happen, happens on the blockchain. Um, they they're also planning to have what's called an interface to the network layer, which essentially means that other blockchains can be represented on on Tezos. So right. similar to Cosmos, which we talked about last time, um, it, their plan is to have it so that you could have like an Ethereum. Copy like on a blockchain Tezos. of blockchains. Yeah, that 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 kind of that kind of thing. Okay. Um, they use the OCaml language, which is a programming language which is quite new, uh, mm. but it's meant to be very good for functional programming. Okay. And the, the whole goal with that is so they can keep their smart contracts as simple and as functional as right, possible. Right, right, um, good. So that's that's their approach. So it's essentially a newer enterprise programming blochain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's de- it's runs on delicated proof of stake, similar to what EOS is running, mm-hmm. and uh, they really want it to be very simple and sec- have very secure smart contracts. Wow. Um, we might look at it. Look, I don't want to go too much into it right now, just because it hasn't really like it's launched, but it's still a bit of an unknown quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll um, we'll just have to wait and see with okay. with Tezos. But it is you know it's one to check out. It there are a lot of money to go into it, and uh, and who knows. Mm. Mm. You've been reading into the VeChain blockchain quite a bit recently. Um, tell us more about that. What's yeah, yeah. So this is this is actually one of those ones that crept up on me a little bit. I've heard a lot of people talking about it, and I hadn't had a real chance to look into it properly. And uh, I just saw that um, that their blockchain was uh, launching as well around about this time, and they were having a token swap coming uh, mid July as well, I think too. So similar kind of timing to Tezos. And uh, the first block's been mined, so they have actually launched their chain, and uh, 
if you've got tokens, just make sure you check what the requirements are. But um, but you will be needing to pull them over right. in the middle of July. VeChain's been in development for a few years, so I, from what I saw, it's actually goes back to around about 2015 wow. when they first started. So it's not a new project, and like most of these new platforms we're seeing, they've they've got a big focus on enterprise. So they want to be they want to they want to make it as easy as possible for enterprises to implement it. Um, the uh, the stakeholders on the chain are the holders of the token. So I think it's called VeChain Thor, which is the right. which is their currency token. They've got two tokens on the platform, but the VET seems to be the main one. Okay. Um, but to be what's called a stakeholder and make decisions on the platform, you have to have a certain amount of tokens, mm-hmm. uh, and it's quite high. And uh, you also have to be approved by the foundation. And this seems to be a theme which runs through a lot of what VeChain are doing. There's this foundation which is essentially run by the company that's that's been building VeChain mm-hmm. and they seem to be calling most of the shots right. with what actually goes on in this chain. So, it's a, it's a lot more of a centralized model than, you know, Ethereum or a, a Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So, their consensus model, which is essentially how they write blocks, is called proof of authority. Right. And to have this proof of authority, you have validators, which is a node that's set up in a certain way uh, and uh, it's essentially like a designated block producer. Right. And that block producer is chosen by the VeChain Foundation as well. Right. And so, to, to be able to be one of those computers that generates the blocks or those those data farms that generates the blocks, you need to disclose your identity, you need to reach some minimum standards, and you need to go through rigorous text, testing and uphold wow. certain security requirements. So, right. And all that's vetted by the, the VeChain Foundation. Wow. So. From from my understanding and what I'm seeing, they're they're trying to offer a very, um, very tested, very professional corporate product, which mm-hmm. they can market to business and say, "Hey, this isn't like Ethereum, which is open slather and anything goes. Mm-hmm. We have essentially more centralized control over this platform. We still have community participation, but they have to reach certain standards right. before they can actually." Um, mine blocks and uh, be a part of the decision making process, and it's it's pretty fast. Well, theoretically, yeah. So they're they're saying that they around about ten thousand transactions a second, theoretically, and they're working on an algorithm. Uh, so they're working on some some more solutions which could probably take that higher. But because they have the the validators who they choose, and those validators have to reach a certain standard, it means that they've got. Very, um, very specific sets of soft of hardware running this stuff, and wow. so certain requirements means that they can have a lot higher transactions per second because wow. they don't have all the nodes trying to run, you know, like Raspberry Pis out there trying to run mm. the, the blockchain and and uh, all that kind of stuff. So mm. uh, that that seems to make it make it better. And smart contracts are a key part of this platform. Yeah, yeah. So, like like most of these platforms, smart contracts are, are definitely key. They're they're still running uh, the Ethereum virtual machine. Okay. So they're they're still running a lot of Ethereum software. It's essentially a fork of Ethereum. Okay. Um, and the smart contracts will be coded in Solidity, which is what right. uh, people code in with Ethereum. But uh, yeah, they're also they've got like a stack based architecture, and they're building certain technologies like um, NFC and RFID, which is right. what a lot of our your card, your contactless payments right. work on that. They're baking that right into the the uh, the wow. stack, the software architecture. They've got a real focus on IoT devices as well, mm-hmm. and they're really trying to build a lot of 
technology that will allow them to essentially exist on the blockchain. Wow. So it's it's a it's a very wide ranging blockchain project, and they've actually got several other things like blockchain as a service. So s- similar to what we've talked about with Microsoft Azure before, they've got implementation as a service, which is kind of like their one click deployment for right. for uh, for companies. And they've even got like an, an auditing service, an agent service, which will allow you to, you know, maybe interact with smart contracts from your phone. It's right. it's really ambitious. I, I actually, wow. doing all my research for this, I, I got pretty exhausted because there was so much. Like they, How big is the white paper? The white paper is like 120 pages or something. Jeez. Something it, it, it is massive and it's all text. Like there's a few images in there, but the vast majority of, of it's text. Nah. And uh it's the the more I read, the more it became clear that it's it's a really really ambitious project, and uh, with a really active community too. Like wow. you go on their uh, their subreddit, for example, they've got fifty thousand people on their subreddit. Sheesh! Uh, and they've got when I was on there, which is um, nighttime in Australia, which is when a lot of the world's asleep. Mm. Um, they still had about two thousand active users on the Reddit, and there's a daily discussion thread which isn't like most other discussion threads. Like, there was actually a lot going on in there. Um, yeah, look, it was just... Uh, the, it, it, I mean, I, I'd heard about it, um, but I think it did just fly under my radar because, look, there is just a lot of projects out there and it's hard, mm. to, hard to keep up with them all. But I was pleasantly surprised. I went into it really sceptic, uh, mm. a real sceptic about a lot of what they were doing. And I came out of it thinking that they, they actually... They make some trade-offs, like mm. you know, it is a lot more centralized, mm. um, but it, it looks like quite a slick product. Mm. And if they can deliver on even half of what they're talking about, I think there could be some some really big uses for it. Worth a second look, then. Yeah, definitely worth a second look. Um, uh. So we'll um, we'll put the links in the show notes. Um, definitely worth going and having a look at. Um, and uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try and keep track of it as as things progress. Cool. So that's VeChain, VeChain.com. Cool. So we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, um, Internet Trends Report of 2018. Now, this is um, a project led by Mary Meeker, who's a partner at Kleiner Perkins Corefield, Corefield and Byers. Mm, good people. Hey, big mm. sort of venture capital firm. They've got more than 45 years in the industry and they've invested in a bunch of companies, all of them you, you would have heard of, Google, Amazon, Slack, Spotify, Genentech, or you might not have heard of, mm. and loads more huge mm. companies. And they have a really good ability to sort of see what's going on. So, yeah, this project, it comes out at the last day of May every year, and it's just hundreds of slides of all <laughs> of the stats of what's going on on the internet and a bit of like global economy sort of stuff. You were so excited about this when you I like- was pretty pumped. <laughs> I've spent a couple of weeks looking through it and I've kind of picked out the highlights, but I think everything is kind of a highlight. Mm. So we're just going to jump through a few of the quick points. So the first one, 50% of the world is now on the internet. Which is insane. Back in 2009, only 24% of the global population had the internet. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> only 20 that's one, only one in four people in 2009 actually had in, access to the internet. Sheesh. Sheesh. But now it's one in two. Yeah. And it's and even that. Yeah. You know? Growth is slowing. Yeah. Cuz I mean it's harder to find after, you know, it's made such a massive push, but mm. 50%, that means you go into half the places in the world, 
well, not half the places in the world, but a lot of the places in the world, there's, you know, one dude in the in the town, a few dudes in the town have mm. internet. Imagine being the only person in the town who had internet. You'd be literally like, You'd people be would be queuing out. Imagine if you didn't, you didn't tell anyone about Google <laughs> <laughs> and they came to you for advice. And you sort of speak to Google Assistant. <laughs> okay, Google. <laughs> you go behind the curtain, like like the Wizard of Oz, you know, like they, they turn up and you've got like your speaker and, oh, oh great wizard, like, answer this and they quickly Google search and I'm like, oh, it's this. <laughs> yeah, someone, hey, can you imagine someone going into your house and being like, so um, what is the what is the capital of the Netherlands? And they're just like, ah, oh, great preacher. What is the capital of the Netherlands? Amsterdam is the capital of the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the time on, spent on the internet is growing as well. Over that same time period, Back in 2009, we were spending on average three hours a day on digital media. Mm. Um, now that's jumped up to 5.9. So it's almost double wow. what it was. And so uh, time, uh, people on the internet's doubled, time, hours spent on the internet has doubled. And 3.3 3 of those mm. six hours are on mobile. That's, and that's really interesting because the time spent on the desktop or the laptop is pretty much the same. Mm. And it's really just it's just doubled purely from mobile. Insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, and with mobile apps, the user experience side is becoming really, really important. So any mm. of the great apps, you know, you'll open the Uber app and it just goes, where to? That's yep. all it asks. And yep. you've got Telegram where it's just send messages and Square Cash where you're just sending and receiving money and Spotify where you're just playing music. Mm. And it's the user experience that's really coming into play here. Yep. And uh, friction is declining for mobile payments as well, so it's becoming a lot easier to pay with your mobile. Yeah. I mean, in China, um, you've got almost, I think it's 500, more than 500 million people uh, using mobile payments. Wow. Which is insane. And then, and they've got like Alibaba Pay and oh, Alipay and yeah, WePay. WePay. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big thing over it. there. And Coinbase, I mean, from January to 2017 to the November 2017, November had four times as many people as January, and then December was oh January when there was that massive yep. pump. I guess yep. even more still. Mm. So that mm. was huge. Mobile video that's growing. You've got um, uh, daily minutes per person is you know it's 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 gone way beyond thirty minutes a person of mobile video usage. So people sitting on YouTube, mm. crazy. And machine learning accuracy is really taking off as well. They've got a really interesting graph in here, which is essentially like looking at the threshold for human accuracy versus machine learning. And the machine learning from Google anyway, uh, as far as the word accuracy goes, mm -hmm. when they're looking at uh, like choosing, you know, like deciphering what people are saying, mm -hmm. Google is now as good at working out what people are saying as the average human being. Mm -hmm. Which is really great because that's going to open up a whole bunch of opportunities. Yeah, well, I've even noticed with my uh, like my own uh, voice dictation, you know, mm -hmm. I, a lot of the time I pop out my little note thing and I dictate into it just so I can get my thoughts out. And <clears throat> when I first started doing it, it was horrible. Mm. Now it's pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. which is really important. Yeah. Following on from that, Amazon Echo, you know, like it or hate it, <laughs> that's now in more than 30 million houses in the USA. Yep. Wow. <sighs> and it's exponential too. Mm. You look at that graph as well. That's uh, mm. that's really exponential. And they really highlighted a trend with a lot of these services, whether it's Netflix or, or whatever, 
personalized experiences mean that there are actually million, there are 125 million Netflixes. Sounds weird. 125 million people on Netflix sort of accounts, which means that, well, probably less than that, but 125 million personalized Netflix experiences. So all of them see something different when they open up the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with Facebook. 2.2 billion Facebooks. There are 200 million Pinterests and 170 million Spotify's. Yeah, wow. So personalized data is crazy. This one is nuts. Facebook is making $34 per user per year. Who's the product? (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, like time spent on social media is growing as well. I mean, it was 135 135 minutes a day on social media. Wow. And, you know, WhatsApp, people were sending, well, yikes, there were almost, there were more than 50 billion messages per day sent on WhatsApp. Wow. Tech companies are in the... Uh, six of the top 15 R&D investors in the US. So out of the top 15 companies doing research and development, six of them are tech companies. Mm. You've got Amazon, Google Alphabet, Intel, Apple, Microsoft, and Facebook. Amazon, who are at the top there, had almost had more than $30 billion in research and development investment wow. in 2017. Wow. How insane is that? It's a lot of money. Whew. Where can um, I'll do some research and development for Amazon. And that was a 45% growth year on year. So they're definitely Facebook, $15 billion. It's insane. So e commerce is now uh, more than 12% of all retail sales. Mm. And uh, for con- context, it was 5% in 2007. So it's, it's more than doubled in 10 years. Mm. And there are a bunch of trends. There's, there's a load of slides on the e commerce stuff. But some of the key ones that we'll just take away from it is point of sale software is something that's growing. Mm. So, you know, companies like Square who are doing their, their, their sort of system for people, PayPal have their own like merchant tool. Yeah. Online store building is a big thing as well, like Shopify, building your own sort mm. of online sh- shopping thing. It's also a lot easier for people to make online payments. Mm. So it's, it's been integrated a lot better, like yeah, Stripe, PayPal, yeah. all those kind of things, one-touch checkouts. Mm. And hand-in-hand uh, hand with that, you've got fraud prevention because yeah. more people pay, on, paying online, more fraud. Yeah. Next one, really interesting, purchase financing, like pay later systems mm. where you get finance approval are actually being built into the checkout. And that's been, I've been seeing that in a lot of places mm. now where it's... Um, Afterpay. Uh, Afterpay, yeah. Mm. And you, and, it, and you can see why it's tempting for people because, you, you know, people, it's like $100 to buy now or $2.50 for 24 months with Afterpay, you know, mm. and like that's how they're getting people in. Yeah, and yeah. those people who are running the, the financing thing, they must be making cash. But, you know, it's built into more than 1,200 merchants, including people like Expedia. So if you're getting mm. holidays... Suddenly, you're going to be tempted to spend a little bit more. Yeah, oh, it's squeezing money out of people. Mm, mm. I think I think there's been a, just overarching. I don't know if this will show up later, but there's been a general trend for a lot of things moving to like a service based model. Mm. You know, like you don't purchase something out outright, and we've seen that with software. But it's really interesting now seeing people like apply that to physical items. You know, mm. you, you're almost like purchasing it as a service mm. instead of mm. by paying for it monthly mm. instead of paying for it outright. People seem a lot more comfortable with that. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, imagine that. You have like a subscription holiday thing. Yeah. Well, it probably does exist. Like a share. Does. What's it called? Where they time share Time or whatever. sharing. Yeah, you yeah. You pay like 20 bucks a month and they give you a killer holiday once a year. Yep. Oh, I don't know what it is. 20 bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, cool, yeah. Right? it's a cool sort of idea. Yeah. Then you've got customer support plugins, customer targeting for ad systems. Parcel delivery mm. is going to massively increase as well because Amazon and everything else is increasing the load on parcel services. So 
we're going to, you know, maybe we will see like an Uber for parcel deliveries or, mm. you know, efficient cross-country postage. Mm. But that stuff is, pass, like regular mail is dropping, yeah. but parcels are just continuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really interesting. The survey that they included said that two of 2,000 American consumers surveyed, 49% start their search on Amazon, only 36% start on search engines. So, wow. they're not even going to Google anymore. Just they're just going directly to Amazon. Amazon. Wow. And if you're not on, Amazon, not on Amazon, especially in the States, you're not being found. Mm-hmm. So, mm. if you're from you know, Australia in particular where Amazon is new, check it out. I mean, it's not the cheapest here yet. Yeah. Really worth looking at. If you haven't looked at it, look mm. at it because it's big. I'd say it's probably similar with eBay here mm. in Australia. eBay seems to be the one that everyone – and you'll just open up eBay and uh, go straight there yeah. if you want to find something. So, yeah. And social media is driving the product discovery as well. You know, they found that, um, you know, 78% of people were discovering stuff on Facebook. You know, 59% of Instagram users have discovered products from there. You know, 59% of Pinterest users, Twitter mm. users as well, and even Snap users, 22% of Snap users. And there are a lot of users now who've built a following that, that the people who want to sell products specifically target and say, mm. can you sell for us? You know, we'll mm. pay you a certain amount just to place your product mm. on your Instagram page mm. um, because that's where people's buying habits are going. And it turns out 6% of e-commerce purchases are referred by social media traffic. Yeah, there you go. It's pretty big. Yeah. Subscription services, as we were talking about, are growing. You know, yep. Netflix had 118 million subscribers in 2017, which is 25% more than the previous year. Wow. Amazon, yeah, Spotify. Spotify, 48%. <sighs> Yikes, like Jeez. Sony PlayStation Plus grew 30% year on year with mm. 34 million people. Yeah. Dropbox, that's grown a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, it turns out a lot of those people are actually uh, teams, mm. uh, business teams actually taking taking advantage of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really worth, really worth looking at. Mm. China, absolutely enormous. Alibaba, who's sort of the Amazon of China, is not to be ignored. They've got a bunch of things that sort of compete on the same verticals as Amazon. Mm. You know, physical stores, um, cloud storage, um, advertise, like digital entertainment. Really, really interesting stuff. Yeah. Internet advertising is still continuing to grow as well. Mm. It was uh, $88 billion in 2017. Um, and, you know, some, like, I think it was about... Just on, uh, just over half of that was mobile advertising. Yeah, and isn't that funny how it correlates pretty well to that use chart that we saw mm, before with laptop mm, and mobile mm. where the year-on-year year laptop, laptop and PC advertising has kind of stayed pretty constant, mm. but the big increase has been in mobile yeah. advertising. Yeah, And even still, um, there's still... Like people are spending more time on mobile, the percent time spent on mobile versus the percent of money spent on advertising. There's still a gap for mm. mobile, so mm. it's almost underutilized. Underused, steel. yeah. Mm. And this is one U.S. household debt is at the highest level ever, and it's still rising. Yeah, and a lot of that stu- seems to be student loans too. Mm. Yeah, savings are falling, and um, yeah, we're definitely not doing enough saving. Mm. Personal savings rate is falling at three percent versus twelve percent personal saving rates 50 years ago. Wow. So people were saving 12% of their stuff. Now it's three. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, so food is cheaper than it was in the 70s in contrast. So uh, food expenditure now for households is about 12%, whereas it was 15% of spending 28 years ago. And interesting, rent is actually the opposite. It is way more expensive. <laughs> yeah. It's actually 17%. 
versus 12% the mm. same amount of time ago. So, And I think 17% is even conservative. I think a lot of people would say yeah. that they're, uh, they're, it's a lot higher than 17% If you're in a city, yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, Brisbane, I would say, you know, it would be more like 25 to 30% for a lot mm. of people. So, mm. yeah. Airbnb is quite kind of interesting as well. It's cheaper than hotels in a lot of major cities. Mm. Interesting to see in New York, the average hotel is like 306 bucks a night. Whereas um, Airbnb is 187. Yeah, right. and that doesn't surprise me. I've looked for hotels before. I went down to uh, Melbourne recently, and hotels were generally about hundred dollars more expensive than the Airbnb wow. I ended up staying in. And know? that's a so, that's a meal. That's a yeah, good meal. That's a that's that's a that's a plane ticket. You know, <laughs> really. So I mean, true. you can get your plane ticket and your your accommodation, or you can get your accommodation and pay wow. for the plane ticket. So and Airbnb had five million global active listings mm. uh, listings. Sorry. Which is crazy. And people are using, yeah, uh, yeah. money's going to people and not hotel chains. Yep. Agriculture is only 2% of jobs versus 14% in 1900. So we've seen a very big dip in uh, the amount of agricultural jobs there are. Uh, and that's probably correlated with um, with the rise in machinery and uh, automation and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And job openings are at a 17-year high. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot in professional services and finance, a lot in healthcare and education, transport, uh, leisure. There seems to be a, a lot of jobs going around. Mm-hmm. Mm. Freelancing is continuing to trend upwards as yeah. well. Um, Technology is making it easier to find. Um, and the freelance workforce is actually growing three times faster than the total workforce. Yeah, and in connection with that too, the gig uh, the gig work and things like Uber, you know, mm. the on-demand jobs is, um, has really risen as well. Mm, yeah, the study, they, uh, studies found that 46% of Uber drivers just wanted to control their schedule, yeah. just work when they want. Yeah. That flexibility, go and see their kids. I mean, you talk to an Uber driver, they just want to do it so they can go, you know, spend some time with their kids yeah. and work when they want to work. Yep. Mm. Um, Etsy as well provides a great so it's like a if you haven't come across Etsy it's sort of like a creative market you can buy things like eBay but it's all like creative handmade sort of stuff handmade candles customizable Mm. presents really cool if you want to get cool presents for people Etsy.com that's really good for people especially in like rural areas where they're creative but there's not necessarily many jobs around Yeah, so they can actually you know make stuff and sell it online Mm. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, and, and in their motivations, people said that so sixty eight of people, which was the highest amount, said they use Etsy to sell things because creativity promotes happiness for them, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is really cool, and they can operate out of home. Jumping onto computers and 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 compute power and technology, mainframes. There's some really interesting graphs showing the history of mainframes because the sales of mainframes continue to rise. Yep. Back in 1955, the Social Security in the US used mainframes to calculate benefits for 15 million um, recipients. And I guess you skip forward to, you know, 1955, the Bank of America used it to process checks. Then the American Airlines in, well, insurance companies in 1965. And then Walmart between 65 and 75 to manage their logistics. And then credit cards, Visa came in in 75 Mm. using mainframes to speed things up. And that's just going to continue to go. Yeah, because computing and storage power is still, is continuing to drop. There's some really interesting graphs in this PowerPoint around the uh, storage price versus hard drive capacity, for example, mm-hmm. and how it's costing you a lot less now to get a lot more space. Mm. And they showed how much $1,000 would go in computing equipment, mm. and it's just going up and up. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, Amazon cloud services. Back in 2006, Amazon's 
cloud computing services, they just had one service. Yeah. And now in 2018, they've got more than 140 different services that you can rent on cloud computers. Yeah, wow. And even Apple iOS, they had less than 5,000 apps in 2008. Now they've got over 2 million apps. I wonder how much of that's malware though, mate. <laughs> Yeah, computing cost is dropping. Cloud service revenue is growing. Mm. Like it's just exciting. Yep. And then there's an interesting thing where AI is exploding because more data is being fed in by customers, mm. which is helping the machine learning. So object detection in Google, they've actually that's been getting better and better because there's more data, which means better analytics, which means better products, which means more customers, which means more data. Mm. And it's a cycle. They've got a great graph of the AWS Amazon's AWS data flywheel mm. of Amazon recognition, which is like a uh, cloud vision sort of image recognition thing. Yeah. And it's just a cycle. More customers, more data, better analytics, better product. It's mm. great. Uh, the CEO of Google, uh, Sundar Pichai, had some really interesting comments on AI. So he said, AI is one of the most important things humanity is working on. It is more profound than electricity or fire. We've learned to harness fire for the benefits of humanity, but we had to overcome its downsides too. AI is really important, but we have to be concerned about it. Especially considering it's running the power systems for most of Google's servers. Yeah, especially considering it's run by Google too. Mm. <laughs> Cybersecurity threats are growing. I mean, we've got loads more services, yeah. loads more holes. Yeah. Proton, uh, Proton Mail was just attacked like a day or two ago. Wow. And they're, they're okay, but they're like being continuously DDoSed at the moment. So, um, and like, and they're like one of the biggest companies concerned about privacy yet, you know, even even they're not safe from from people going out and trying to attack them. And interestingly, um, relative to global GDP, India and China are absolutely taking over. Yeah, wow. I mean, while the USA is still remaining in the top, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of competing with Europe sort of to be at the top. But China has just absolutely come along. I mean, mm. since the 60s where China was 4% of global GDP contribution, now it's 15%. Yep. And as, as opposed to the US, which was 40% in mm. 1960, but it's now only 29%. percent mm. 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 So really interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, Chinese businesses are actually taking up more spots in the top 20 internet companies um, they had two uh, in the top 25 years ago, and now they've got nine of the top 20 today. Yeah, so Alibaba's six, Tencent seven, Ant Financial's nine, Baidu is uh, is 13th, and yeah, there's some there's names that, I mean, most people have probably heard of in mm. one way or another, so it's probably going to continue. Another really cool sign for China is that their graduation rates in natural science and engineering is actually rising. Um, so that's showing that they're just really putting in time and effort into education, which is really good news for them. There are almost 800 million mobile internet users in China, which is insane. I mean, yeah. 800 million. Sheesh. Wow. So then... <laughs> The Great Wall, like the Great Internet Wall of China, doesn't seem to matter much because they're uh, they're all they're all still on it. Yeah, mobile data usage in China is up one hundred and sixty five percent year on year. Yeah, this is this is one that you really need to go to look at the graph of this because it, between twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, it more than doubled. 
Mm. There are some interesting charts available on where where the Chinese uh, or market spend time on uh, per each media type, whether it's gaming, video, social networking. Gaming revenue in China, interestingly, is almost thirty billion dollars. Mm, wow. Which is crazy. So, interactive game revenue, China's actually the number one market in the world. There you go. That's why so many companies are developing for China. Mm. Enterprise apps, so Slack, Dropbox, Zoom, uh, they're all seeing huge growth. So, mm. companies are more and more focusing on efficiency, on getting slimmer and, mm. and uh, collaborating better. And, yeah, look, some if you go and look at some of these graphs, they are... Uh, the, the the uptake by a lot of these companies mm. is massive, uh, almost thir- well more than thirty five million min- uh, billion more than thirty five billion meeting minutes a year are had on Zoom, which is like a web conferencing sort of like Skype for businesses. Mm. You know, they're saying, you know, 85% of people are saying it improves collaboration, you know, 71% saying it's productivity and really good. You know, it's also good for uh, people who are remote workers. 60% say that it's built trust amongst those workers. Really cool. Yeah. And there's, there's a big trend in business too for employee retraining. So, for an example, they looked at AT&T and they've, AT&T have $1 billion at, allocated for web-based employee training. So, for example, Coursera or Udemy. Um, mm. There's uh, emerging tech courses. There's uh, a, just a, a lot of employees actively engaged in retraining, and mm. the company's paying for it, which mm. is uh, which is a big deal. Mm. Uh, and it just shows that people are recognizing that they need to be keeping up with the technological changes, and the companies need to be educating their workforce. Mm. Um, there's a lot of companies that aren't recognizing that, but uh, but mm. it's really interesting seeing some of these big companies who have who've noticed that. There's that need. And freelancers are actually just doing it themselves. They're, they're pretty strong at doing their own training. Mm. Um, 55% of freelancers said that they did some skill-related training in the last six months, mm. which is pretty huge. Yep. So, yeah, moral of the story, mate, there is a, there's a lot going on in tech. It's, it's been one of the biggest years, the last, uh, last 12 months. And, mm. um, yeah, for those, for those of you that are, that are interested in looking at the whole report, we'll put the links in the show notes, but uh, really, really interesting stuff. And I think uh, we're all looking forward to seeing what this next year is going to bring mm, too. Super mm. exciting. Cool. Man, I'm pumped. So what's this week's privacy, privacy, what's this week's privacy and security tool? So this week's privacy and security tool is YubiKey. Now, YubiKey is essentially a USB token for two-factor authentication. So you might have already used some uh, two-factor authentication, whether it be uh, a website sending you a text message with a code for you Mm -hmm. to put in or whether it be something like Google Authenticator, which is you, you scan a barcode and you have it on your phone. And what it means is that if someone has your password to a mm-hmm. website, they can't just put that password in and get into the, the site. They need the extra device, mm-hmm. which you're using to put the code in from there as well. So it's a really, we recommend 2FA and everything, mm-hmm. especially anything to do with crypto, just because mm-hmm. it's valuable and you need to protect it. Mm-hmm. But um, YubiKey take that one step further and they say, unless you have this physical device, which you plug in physically to the computer, and a lot of the a lot of the YubiKeys you'll press a button on. Right. Um, you can't log in at all. Right. So people have them around their neck, or you can have them on your keyring. But it's an actual physical token that, as long as you've got control of that token, you know that no one can get into any of the accounts that are tied to it. That's great. Um, really interesting product. It's not too expensive. I think it's about sixty or seventy Australian dollars, um, and uh, and it's just. 
like I said, that extra peace of mind. Mm. So, you don't have to mm. worry about, have you lost your phone with your Google Authenticator on it? You've got a key and they have a uh, like a key management portal where you can essentially, if you, if you need to, you can you can order another YubiKey with the same key that you right. have um, to, to restore it if you lose right. it. So, and a lot of them send you two as well. So, you can kind of hide one somewhere and have it as a backup if you right. lose your first one. Um and uh, and yeah, so it's look. It's a really simple one, but it, look, two-factor authentication. You can. It, it's it's again like lowest hanging fruit. It's a. It's so much harder to breach someone that has two FA on their account. To my eternal shame, it took my Gmail account getting hacked back in twenty twelve for me to actually realize how important two-factor authentication was. Now, yep. take it from me, don't like it's worth getting fire insurance before you get a fire, not mm. after. Mm. Yeah, no, 2FA everything. Mm. It's just, it's so easy. It's an extra button to click. It might take you five extra seconds to get into something, but uh, that five extra seconds could save you a lot of money. You've got an interview with the Blockchain Centre. This was from when you were back in Melbourne again, wasn't it? Yeah, so uh, back when I interviewed Nem, uh, which we had in the last episode, I also in the was that was in the Blockchain Centre. I also interviewed John Quinnam from the Blockchain Centre, and he's the events and incubation manager uh, there at the Blockchain Centre. So he's wow. essentially uh, their face, the, the community manager. And had a really good chat with him about what the motivations are behind the Blockchain Centre, uh, what they what they do there, some of the things they offer and also where he sees the space moving into the future. Mm. So really, really interesting chat. Um, and look, they're expanding really quickly. Like they're, look, they're looking at going in a lot of different locations. I think one just wow. opened up in uh, Colombia. They just opened a blockchain center up in Colombia. Wow. They've got another one in some, somewhere in Europe. They've got a couple that are coming online in Australia. Wow. So um, there's, a, there's a lot happening and... They're feeling a very big need, which wow. is to have a, a, a somewhere central where everyone can come, uh, be it business people, developers, investors, anyone that's that wants to be involved in the blockchain space. There's like a, an area where they can come, um, and so uh, yeah, really interesting interview. We'll um, we'll play that for you now. Hi everyone, this is Matt here from the FOMO Show. I'm here with John Quidham, the Incubation and Events Manager for the Blockchain Centre in Melbourne. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well, thanks, Matt. Brilliant. So, thanks first of all, thanks for having me. I, I dropped in on relatively short notice. Ah, that's, that's good. That's what we have all the time here. <laughs> that's dropping right. by the centre. <laughs> so, the Blockchain Centre is a uh, co-working and uh, incubation space based here in Melbourne, specifically focused on blockchain and blockchain startups. And the uh, the, 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 the blockchain centre itself has been around for a little while, but this space here, which is, is quite large, uh, is has only been here since November last year. That's right. And it's, it sounds like there's a, there's a lot of people signing on. So, John, could you just talk to us first of all a little bit about the history of the blockchain centre and, and the, what, what the motivations were for beginning this, this co-working space here in Melbourne? Yeah, for sure. So, we... Blockchain Center was incorporated last year in January yep. without the physical space from our mother, mothership, which is Blockchain Global Next Door. So this place was open in November last year yep. as a physical space. So we're a knowledge and community hub. Our, I, the idea was to create a space and a community for the adoption of blockchain technology to accelerate the education. Therefore, 
increase community, increase awareness, knowledge transference of blockchain technology to the world. Mm, okay, and that's that's one of the big needs uh, with with the blockchain, isn't it? That there's a there's a lot of people that are really interested in the blockchain, mm-hmm. but there seems to be quite a disconnect between uh, having an interest and actually learning about the actual technology. There's there, there are some resources out there, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not all. It's not centralized in any way. It's it's kind of hard for people to get that on the ground experience, and Blockchain Center is is offering that. So we have multi level education that we do here. So we run under three pillars: education, co working, and community. Okay. So we have education events from beginner level. So if you're somebody there who's just heard about cryptocurrency, they can come in in the center and, and go to events and and talk to other people and experts about it to beginner uh, to intermediate and expert level so if you're already a trader you can get some expert advice of of um the community what are the new coins out there what are the icos that are coming we invite a lot of icos that come here and present okay so they talk about their their new projects what their ideas are last night we had somebody called um ixo from south africa they're working on a blockchain for social impact wow so they're creating a platform for different social enterprise projects mm-hmm. to be on a blockchain. And it's these wide varieties of applications of blockchain is that what we're trying to do here at the center. Okay. All right. And so just even from walking through here, I, yeah. I saw there's a lot of different projects around. Uh, there seems to be a really nice vibe about the place. There's a lot happening. So could you talk to us a little bit about some of the projects you have here and, and what they're doing and, and, and why they've come to the blockchain center? The Blockchain Center is attractive them because we have such a, a big community here of very engaged, very knowledgeable people. On Wednesday nights, we have Talk and Trade, which is uh, a group of 50 to 80 people. Sometimes we've had 200 people crowding in here when, yeah. the, when the exchanges are high. But they're very engaged about the technology. They yeah. debate about different topics, be it stable coins or... Last week we had a debate between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Oh, we just had one of them as well in it Brisbane. Was, <laughs> it was quite a heated debate, um, and I think we could rest that for a couple of weeks yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it attracts a lot of aficionados who come blockchains and the startups yeah. that come here know that we are here dedicated to blockchain. Mm. So mm. we're trying to. To attract the startups in here, we've got quite a few startups working on things such as aged care housing yep. with Glad Age that's in here. Okay, we've got Nem, who's obviously one of the big blockchain that's out at the moment. Mm. We've got EOS, um, EOSphere is one of the blockchain producers. Oh, the, yeah, the, the block producing candidate. Yeah, yep. they're one of the candidates yep. for that. They're based out of Perth. They're based out yeah. of Perth, but they have a representative. Oh, brilliant! Here. Okay, and. This year, we've developed and launched the incubator program. You see the back here, it's Block Engine, Melbourne's first incubator program. Yeah. So we took 10 startups, early stage startups with yep. great ideas already in existing markets, but they want to have blockchain technology mm. applied to their products. Okay. So what we took them was in a 10-week course of blockchain technology studies, business acumen and also connected them to a big ecosystem that we've developed here mm. in blockchain center so from legal to accounting to um to social media and marketing right okay. they were able to to meet all these experts and mentors mm. to to hear about their experience but also to develop ideas of how they can improve make their 
make their products commercially viable, be mm. competitive, not just in a domestic market, but mm. also internationally and scale it that way. Wow. Okay. So, so essentially, then what you've got here is you've got a, a, a co-working space, yes. which is which is great. But then you've also got a like a I guess a pipeline you could almost call it to out to experts on one side, but also some uh, some big players in the space who may be looking to you know essentially say come come build on our platform. Yes. Yeah, you know between them and EOS and, and a few of the others. So, yeah. it's essentially what this is then is a is a hub for uh, investors, startups, platforms, and different experts in different fields. And well. mostly enthusiasts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually a community yeah. out there. Brilliant. That you don't have to be already working on it, but if you have some interest in uh, blockchain technology, emerging tech, fintech, or even something that's uh, wanting to improve the world and add value to it, mm. I think that's what blockchain brings to the world. And there's a few enthusiasts out there who would yep. just want to be part of that yeah oh definitely and and that's i think that's one of the big big issues with the space is that because we talk so much about decentralization you know and yeah. it, it is a very decentralized space and for anyone that is enthusiastic is enthusiastic about it or does want to move into the space in a lot of cities it's quite hard to find mm. somewhere you know you might find some meetups but yes generally they're at different locations there's no real point where everyone can kind of, it's like a port of call yeah. you know, for everyone to go to. And that sounds like what Blockchain Center is really becoming, is like a, a central hub mm-hmm. for the decentralized ecosystem. And by having that it decentralized hub is also decentralizing the knowledge out there that yeah. we're exporting the centers to other cities around the world. So yep. we've got two in China, in Shanghai and Suzhou. Wow. Lithuania opened this year in Vilnius. Yep. And most recently, we just launched the Columbia Blockchain Center. So that's opening up at the end of the month in June. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit, bit about that then, because I saw the tweet, I think it was literally yesterday, yes. that, uh, that, that everything was sorted out for this Columbian Blockchain Center. So talk to us a little bit, a bit about that and why, uh, I've forgotten the, the, the guy's name. What's Sebastian. Why Sebastian is starting a blockchain center in Columbia. He's from DayX and they've been working in the center and been part of the community for a few years now. Yep. And then they realized the potential of what blockchain does and the great work that we do here at the center of mm. you know, uh, knowledge transference and creating a community of blockchain experts and enthusiasts out there. And mm. he wanted to take that to his home country, which is Colombia. Yep. And he knew that we had ideas of creating and developing other blockchain centers around the world mm. um to to tell you some background we're looking to open up 20 other cities internationally wow. this year okay so colombia has been one of the first ones i mean obviously lithuania and china yeah so uh we now have that latin american experience we have some african countries that want to get on board wow. and a few more uh, European countries as well as the Asian countries. So we want to just get so much present, obviously decentralize the knowledge. Mm. So mm. it's out there. It's it's creating a network mm. <laughs> of, of ideas, knowledge transfer, mentoring, expert mm. advice, um, and obviously exchanges and people that can can work in the space mm. hopefully other incubators hopefully other startups around yeah. the world looking to apply blockchain technology can get the support that they're getting here in melbourne mm. okay so if i'm if i'm someone then who's in a city and there doesn't seem like there's a some kind of center where everyone can go to to learn about blockchain mm-hmm. and to do this and i'm really passionate about it uh what you're saying is that 
they could approach the blockchain center to see if it's it could be possible to start start up somewhere you know in their city for yeah, example. Yeah, of course. We've yeah. got different models of of the centers for okay. for both here domestically and and abroad. But yeah. if there are anybody out there who who feels like that they have the network, the ecosystem there, but need a central point to to be that area where everybody can go to a hub mm. obviously to mm. for that knowledge mm. yeah th- it would be great for them to do it because if they want to support both the blockchain center and just a blockchain ecosystem yeah they can help start up a blockchain center in their own city brilliant okay so if you are looking to start a blockchain center up definitely get in touch with these guys here yeah. because it sounds like there are a lot of resources and it, 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 from, from my impression talking to sebastian who's starting the uh, the one up in Colombia, uh, it it sounds like that he's been quite well resourced to yes. go and, to go and do that, and so you don't have to start from zero. You don't have to start from zero. Yeah. I mean, in some places, I know that um, some of the the cities that people have approached us, there's quite a few of them, and they want more of a network there. But yeah, it's hard for these cities to do it because it's such a small city. Yeah. Um, but they do that that area that they can meet up, and it doesn't have to be a blockchain center. If yep. if you just want to create a meetup, please do. Yeah, share it with us. Um, be part of the ecosystem and, and the knowledge um, hub that is both the blockchain center and blockchain. Have you found it hooking in uh, experts from from other areas? Because I know that generally there seems to be, and, and from personal experience, I've found that uh, a lot of professionals in different spheres are, are quite interested in blockchain, but it's taking that next step, you know, mm-hmm. beginning to understand things and then being able to work out where their expertise may fit in this new area. Mm-hmm. How have you found that uh, it's been getting these experts in and, and, and what their experience has been as far as linking with the blockchain world? Well, firstly, we've got the experts. And when I mean experts, blockchain is a fairly new yeah. technology. <laughs> it's all relative, isn't it? So there, they are experts. Experts in the technology themselves, so yeah. um, be it uh, EOS or NAM or or some of the blockchains out there, or some of the ICOs. Yeah, they're experts in, I guess, developing an ICO yeah. or uh, creating blockchains. So that's their expertise, and obviously yeah. they get um, they gravitate towards the center because yeah. here in Melbourne, that's what we are. We're the dedicated center for blockchain technology. Yeah, so. They gravitate towards us and we attract them. But experts itself, be it legal or accounting mm. or finance yep. <laughs> in, in certain ways, that they also gravitate towards us because yep. they know the potential of blockchain technology. Yep. And because we've developed a presence here in Melbourne that they, we are the premier knowledge hub for it, yep. that they, they, they might just start here as a participant in one of our events mm-hmm. and then start talking to the community, start engaging with us, start engaging with some of our experts and startups here. And they realize, wow, there's such potential for my, my field and my expertise to contribute towards towards this new technology mm. that's last last the other night I was talking to somebody who was part of uh, one of our events and he's from Switzerland wow okay so he emigrated here to Australia yeah and realized look uh, what I was doing before is not what I want to do but I've mm-hmm. developed such strong skills and it was finance yeah but then he thought he was exposed to blockchain technology and went, wow, this is such an amazing thing. I mm. want to now work towards and bring my skills mm. 
towards this industry and who are the people that um, I can go to and who are the people that I can talk to. That would be us, but it's not just for us to talk. We're not the experts. Yeah. We are here to connect, to create collaborations, yeah. to create um, engagements and knowledge transference between parties. Mm. And I guess that's one of the big benefits of having people in, 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 a, in a centralised place, as mm. much as we talk about decentralisation, is they can collaborate. Have you seen a lot of that collaboration going on with the different projects here at the Blockchain Centre? Yes, we've had... We've had people who are so engaged and so knowledgeable about yeah. blockchain. They began as enthusiasts and now they've become experts. But by coming here and presenting in some of our events, there have been other projects out there that said, hey, you've developed such knowledge and such expertise in this. Mm. Let's co- collaborate on a project together. And yeah, they're collaborating on different projects now. So it's amazing to see that, to connect them to it. Um, obviously, another one is is which is so nascent are the blockchain developers yep. out there <laughs> the elusive blockchain developers there's still so we have a developers <laughs> course uh so we we have a 70 hour program for for budding blockchain developers okay. out there so yeah. they do it on ethereum under solidity yep. so at the end of that they can develop their own blockchains yeah but that's where we have hr partners as well okay um, so they come to us saying okay who are some of the, the great up-and-coming developers out there, the, yeah. these companies? So companies out there know the potential. Yeah. That's where they're going to go to for, for some advice. And we're not there to give those advice, but we're mm. there to connect them with the right people. Yeah, yeah. So it's essentially like a pipeline then. And so the reception has been quite positive then from the general community as well. You have had people approaching the blockchain center to try and find someone that fits their needs. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we do uh, quite a few consultancy to large companies. Okay. So we have a uh, pool of educators mm-hmm. and and researchers and, and really knowledgeable in, in blockchain technology. Mm. And they're the ones that, that we bring out to different corporations out there yep. to do day, day workshops or seminars to... Yep. L- to talk to them more about one blockchain technology and yeah. how it can fit into their into their industries. Okay. So whether it's um, hospitality or supply chain, construction, mm. legal, even some banking. Yes, yeah. that's yep. we've, <laughs> yes, we've done those consultants. <laughs> um, so, so what you're saying then is that there has been a there, there is a significant. Uh, level of interest from established industries to really begin t- integrating this tech now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and have you found that there's been any specific industries that have been more interested than 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 other industries? Because I know you mentioned supply chain, you mentioned financial. Yes. We talk about it on the show. Those are uh, probably two of the most. Uh, uh, if, if you wanted to pick two industries that, yeah. that were right for disruption, disruption by blockchain, uh, probably financial, banking, and maybe some legal as well. Um, are there other in- industries that you're finding are, are very interested in adopt- adopting this technology? Um, medical. Okay. Is uh, There's quite a few companies out there within our ecosystem that's mm-hmm. looking towards medical. I guess yep. it's both medical identity and medical um Medical history. Mm. For at the moment, obviously, with both your one's medical history, yeah, it's not verified, and you can't really e- easily transfer that. A lot of it is still on paper. Yeah, 
that by putting it um, and using blockchain technology, it's something that you can give your medical IDs out there mm. to make it easier to to prescribe things for you, make it easier to to know what ailments and, and yeah. what your history is. So yeah. it makes more of an accurate uh, ass- assessment of your history and yeah. what conditions are. Yeah. So medical is one of them. And yes, construction and supply chain, but I guess that's not just not just a supply chain as a whole. There's a mm. lot of, obviously, supply chains can be in so many different industries. Yep. Um, packaging be one of them and delivery is one of them. Yeah. But uh, a few of our, our startups that have that are part of our ecosystem is in agriculture. So agriculture is yeah. a big one that that is great gaining s- graining gaining <laughs> um agriculture is one that's gaining a lot of traction of yeah. how blockchain is is applicable and creating added value and integrity to to their industry mm, mm. Um, we work with blockchain which is one of them they're putting wheat on blockchains yep. veggie coin is another one that's working with agriculture mm. um We've got somebody coming from AgriLedger in the U.S. Right. So, um, so AgriLedger and um, both agriculture and supply chains is one that's there. I heard yep. that somebody's just put mangoes in the, on a blockchain in South Australia. <laughs> so not part of our ecosystem, but if you want to be part of it, please do. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm from a farming background myself. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's an area of great fascination for me to see what's coming out of the, the, uh, the agricultural industry. Because yes. It is something that... Uh, where a lot more openness and verifiability yep. uh, would would greatly benefit the producers mm. and also the distributors. I think, yes. I think um, there's a lot of middlemen that have grown up in that industry that don't really need to be there. Yeah. And uh, if we have the right technology, we can work around mm. it. So, yeah, that's I hadn't even heard of Edgecoin. So that's that's something yeah, I'm going to Coins have to check out as well. One of our one of our startups that it started here at the center and yep. part of that that has been incubated through us but more in an unstructured yeah. way than the the program that we have another one that's i'm finding that's trending i don't know if you can say trending <laughs> in itself is um ip yeah okay and i guess a lot of it is ip anyway but there's a few startups that have come both through our doors and it's been part of our ecosystem working that education's one of them. Yep. So it's about the, the IP of all the work that you're doing. Mm. That it switches it around that you're the one providing assessors out there and education institution to your work, yep. not them extracting work from you. Right. And I guess that's all about IP and there's a couple of other ones that is about music. So yeah. obviously the IP of music. We just chatted to Nam about some of the, the music things that are going yeah. on. So yeah. we've got one startup that works through here called ValueX. Yep. And they're working on um, on the music industry and getting right. people's um, output out there mm. on the blockchain so that they are rewarded for all the music that's been okay. produced. Okay, brilliant. So we'll just pivot a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if, if we were if, – if you were to – say to if someone's thinking of getting into the blockchain space yeah. uh, maybe building it maybe they've had an idea and yes. they want to they want to build a project on blockchain mm-hmm. what would your advice be for beginning that process well one thing i'm saying is they're already watching this so yeah. they've started well <laughs> that's a good first step <laughs> that's a good first yeah. step um that's 
for for you to be watching this, obviously, that you've you know a little bit of blockchain. You've yeah. heard it on the grapevine. You've heard your friends talking about it. You've seen a news article or yeah. or watch TV about it. So. I guess that seed of curiosity is already there, which yeah. is great. So now just develop that. And how how can you get more information? If if you're not in Melbourne or one of our centres mm. can get that, I guess there's a lot of online online material out there that you can go to it yeah. to get more information. If you want to know more, we do a lot live videos on yeah. our website. Okay. So um, look at Facebook for Blockchain Centre, and you'll see a lot of videos out there of of different presentations, different ideas, different debates, different discussions yep. of what it is. And honestly, just talk to a community, attend yep. a meetup, uh, create a network or be part of a network that are are curious and are engaged mm. and have uh, yeah passion out there for blockchain and its, its immense potential. Mm. If you are in a city that has one of these centers, mm. I guess if you are in Melbourne, we just want you to just drop by, come yep. to the center, yep. um, meet us, meet some of the startups that are working here, meet mm. us some of the work that we're doing here. Um, if crypto is just your, if you just, that's your interest, mm. um, we we have quite a few startups here. We've got hardware wallets, producers like Coinstop mm. in here. We've got exchanges that work here like Cointree and and ACX as well. Yep. But it's oh, actually, just with if you crypto, we have the crypto mining museum here. So oh, I heard about this. You yeah, you didn't see it earlier. I, I saw a little bit of it. Yeah. I need to go look at it properly. So it's a Bitcoin mining museum. Yeah, I think it's the only one in Australia, and I think it might be the only one in the world right. of a crypto mining museum. <laughs> We're ten years in, and we've got a museum. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's. It's not just specific to, I guess, to mining. It's yeah. also everything that's been used, all yeah. the machinery and that's been used prior to that. And, wow. and you can see uh, a progression of where we are from mm. from early on mining. Mm. And I guess technology just moves so quickly. That oh, especially it, in the blockchain <laughs> yeah. space. Yeah, seriously. It looks so old now. Yeah. Um, that then you see the, the, the newer uh, mining um, machines out there from our mining museum. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's coming into a space like this, coming around people. Um, you don't actually have to physically be in meetups. Yeah, there's a lot of online resources out there. There's mm. online meetups that you can talk to. Mm. Some Slack channels out there for for people to. I'm sure FOMO here has quite a few yeah, channels. Yeah, we've, we've got a Telegram. We just yes. swapped from Slack. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of resources already out there. Mm. Don't mm. feel alone because yes, there is. It's. For somebody that is new, it could be overwhelming. Mm. Um, I'm only less than a year into to the blockchain world. And oh wow! <laughs> I'm still learning something every single day. Yes, yeah. and that's what I love because applications and and different adoptions of it. New people come in. Yeah. New new ideas come in. Yep. Um, the only thing holding you back is your creativity and that's right. and your imagination of how you can apply blockchain. I mean, you know we. For us, that's been working with blockchain. We know that blockchain is not for every single application. Mm. Um, that it's not for everything. It's not something that's going to obviously destroy <laughs> current every single current market that's out there. Sorry, disrupt it. Well, some people are saying it will, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's fear mongering. Yeah, and that's what we we have is to educate people. Yeah, know? and bring Educa bring it back to to reality. Yeah, yeah. So we're 
agnostic in in our census so we yep. don't have any biases or we're impartial to who we support it's yeah. more if you're adopting blockchain um we want to support you if yep. you want to be part of that obviously we have our corporate sponsors that keeps us running yeah <laughs> we yeah. are not for profit so we kind of <laughs> need to keep the doors open we need that yeah. to, to keep this uh center open yeah um so blockchain global which is our mothersh um who founded us from mm. blockchain global mm. digital x cointree um acx and support we're supported by ibm as well so wow. their blockchain research okay department. and they're very very heavy in blockchain too yes yeah. they've got their own research department looking after uh, doing research on blockchain themselves yeah brilliant okay. we just had an event last week where the research department here in melbourne was mm. presenting hyperledger well yeah which is um their co-research and co-creating that yeah 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 so we hyperledger is the uh the i think it's in concert with Lin- the linux foundation mm-hmm. isn't it yeah and that exactly. that's like an enterprise grade blockchain yes yeah yeah Brilliant. And uh, how have you found dealing with a lot of those, the, the, the bigger players within the space? In, in what way? Uh, just, just from a, like, I guess a, a, a support level. Because mm-hmm. my, my impression on the outside, not having dealt with them on a, on a real business level, is that it seems like everyone, almost all those companies are just happy to be supporting uh, like not-for-profits and other companies mm. that are pushing the space forward. And it seems like there's a there's a real air of generosity out there uh, from a lot of these companies. Mm-hmm. And I know um, you've got Nam here, yes. and and I saw the EOS Fear logo up there too. And it seems like those two blockchains, especially, are uh, very much about pushing the the community initiatives forward uh, with the, the, their, their different funds. It is. They want to support. Um the ecosystem mm. through there's obviously they've got their own blockchain that they're using yeah but it's creating that community that global community that collective about blockchain that yep. yes people are using their their technology but it's creating a system by having these funds for people to be able to to use their their innovation mm. their creativity mm. to apply to to blockchain mm. that by having these support mechanisms like having their community funds, both Eosphere and NEM, yep. that they can support startups out there that have these great ideas and both individuals and organizations who have um, who have some sort of idea, not just a seed idea, but, but a passion to creating something mm. that they're being supported by, yep. by these organizations. I mean, the big players out there are, tr- are slowly getting into it. I mean, we're supported by IBM, but that's because they're doing their research as well. Yep. Um, you know, the banks, not so much. <laughs> um, it's really funny because some of our events, we talk to quite a few people coming in here, but there are, there are people who actually work at banks. Yeah. So I don't know whether they're, they're behind the scenes part of working in with the banks of how they're dealing with with blockchain, with technology. blockchain technology yeah. or their staff who want to move away from their organization well we just saw that didn't we with the, with combank and eos that, exactly yeah yep. CFO, i think it's a cfo just moved yeah. over to block one yeah so it's hard to know isn't it yeah. because you, I, I do hear some people telling me oh the banks are working on their own blockchain projects yes. you know but uh but then you see these people leaving the banking sphere and going over to the crypto sphere yes. and you're like, well, are you really? Yeah, you know? Are you just researching, yeah. getting some <laughs> intel out there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Um, so if 
let, let's look forward then, uh, because obviously you're still very much in the the building phase here, mm-hmm. um, and and it it seems like there's a lot of momentum behind this project now. I, I love watching your Twitter. We've been cheering you on from Brisbane. Awesome, uh, uh, <laughs> thank you. It's just it's great. It's honestly great to see that um, that there's a, a central center yes. in an, in an Australian city for blockchain. But if and you watch would, out for Brisbane. There is. There's, um, <laughs> Yeah, a little, a little birdie. A little birdie told me about that as well. <laughs> um, so but, Perth is coming up soon in the next few months. Oh, they're Sid- building. So blockchain centre is coming online in Perth as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sydney's. We're in talks with somebody in Sydney as well. Yep. Uh, so yeah. So we're getting that Australian presence as such Brilliant. as much as global presence. Brilliant. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. No, that's that, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so I guess well, that's partly answers the question. But uh, if you were to say look a year ahead or two years ahead, mm-hmm. where where are you seeing blockchain center in you know in a, in a year's time, in two years time? For now, we want to support as many startups out there. We want to support as many communities that are creating out there. So I guess from one to two years now that we would have 20 to 30 centers globally that's opened up out there that mm. are creating their own ecosystem. Mm. Therefore, their network in there is working towards our networks here and globally that we have this this global chain of, mm. of blockchain centers out there that are feeding information, um, transferring knowledge, educating, mm. and, and creating amazing... Uh, initiatives, amazing startups that are being developed mm. because they've got the support system of blockchain centers around the world and mm. blockchain centers within their locality. Brilliant. Okay, that sounds great. And one question I like to ask everyone at the end of the interview, where do you see the blockchain space in five years? If you were to pull out your crystal ball and look ahead? Where would I see that I will have my nephew telling me more about blockchain yeah because blockchain has become a um not generic but become so well adopted mm. that schools are teaching blockchain technology to yeah, wow. to their children um that i can go to a family dinner where where my nephew is who's seven mm. who's um a blockchain developer that they're able to create a blockchain themselves and having little lemonade stores and having their supply chain. <laughs> trustless, trustless immutable lemonade yes, stores. I love and it. That they're selling tokens to me. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. They're like, Uncle John, do you want to buy one of my tokens? <laughs> so if that's that's what happens in five years' time, I yep. think that's a, a great future for us to. That that sounds great, John. Um, uh, there's a school in I think here in Melbourne that is has a blockchain education center, and yeah, I think it's called Kieran Nolan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rana Park is one of our social enterprise partners. So Kieran is one of our startups that co-work here. And oh, brilliant! So we actually uh, we've I don't know what the current development is, but yep. we've got a pop-up blockchain center at the school. Yep. <laughs> there you go. So so. The ecosystem really is, uh, yeah. is 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 all coming through here. Then, yeah. so slowly but surely, yes, that's maybe that's where I was inspired to know that the kids are learning blockchain themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what he's doing is amazing. Yeah, like looking at that. I mean, we're, we're hoping to have him on the show. We've been trying to get a time with him because he's a very busy man. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, some of the stuff he's doing is incredible. So he's the education one that I was talking about about having your own uh, outputs. 
assignments and stuff. Yep. He's got Project Rocket Shoes that's working mm. on that. That's mm. what I was sort of referring to earlier. Yeah. And I think we're, we're looking at different other pop-ups out there. I know that um, regional Victoria, there's, there's quite a lot of agricultural companies out there that yeah. are, are looking to, to see the potential of blockchain technology. Mm. So they've invited us, like Big has invited us to wow. up there to kind of talk about blockchain itself and, and see if there's, there's a way that we can, we can sort of harness our knowledge to create a community there as well. Yeah, okay. So kind of like the uh, how you used to have the rural libraries that went around on trucks. Yes. And, uh, we can and have they, a pop they'd up come up to your there. town. Wow, that's that's incredibly interesting. And if we, um, if, you know, if we do have a blockchain bus, we can do tours of different schools around the state and the country. Did I see that you guys are working on a blockchain bus? I think I saw something about that on Twitter. Yes, our, our, our global, our patron blockchain global. Okay. Has... Um, has prototyped right through one of the <laughs> one of the conferences and events they've got a stall um and it's a blockchain bus okay um i guess so much of blockchain is the the phrase to the moon so right. maybe a rocket ship <laughs> bus that goes out like there. the uh, what was that show the little school bus or yeah the magic school the bus. magic school bus magic yeah school. the other thing that that we're doing a lot is with support is working with the government with Austrade. So I don't mm. know if you've seen online, we've just signed a memorandum of understanding with Austrade mm-hmm. for them to help support uh, the development of blockchain centers around the world. Right. Okay. Wow. So, so, so that there is some significant interest from the government side as well yeah. in, uh, in pushing the blockchain space forward. Mm. And how's that been? Have you found that interaction with the, the Australian government as far as... Uh, uh, their attitudes on building this space and, and 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 their support of projects like this. Well, obviously, there's that hesitation of um, of hearsay out there, where you know blockchain is going to take down governments <laughs> and and create new central banking system. Um, but mostly, governments are both curious and supportive yeah. because what work we're doing is supporting the startups and governments are very supportive of mm. these small business these initiatives mm. of of creating a startup of, of whatever idea that they are so yeah. um ours is building the economy yeah yeah so ours is that knowledge uh fostering the knowledge and facilitating the transfer of knowledge between that and we're not focused on crypto itself i mean mm. blockchain itself is the technology under that crypto is just one op- application yeah. you know it's the most popular thing at the moment it's the most most widely spread application but there's it's just a tiny little drop in the ocean of what blockchain applications can do yeah and that's what we focus on is you know be it agriculture be it um some of our block engines which is hospitality accounting buildings construction it's these applications that excite me and excite i guess the community that's mm. um that's what is going to create such impact in the world is is how we apply this technology not just um through financial stuff but uh every single well a lot of other fields and industries out there yeah yeah i think that's a really good place to leave it john it sounds like a a really good vision for for where this is going and and the future of the blockchain technology is there any any shout outs you'd like to do any well i guess i've shouted out our sponsors here so thank you so much (laughs) for them um but for us is uh, just shout out to all the other blockchain centers around the world. Um, yep. Hopefully, 
you're watching this and hopefully you you have your own system and we continue to keep working together to to create such uh, a global impact on this fantastic technology mm, okay and if, if people want to find you and find out what blockchain center is doing uh where should they go so uh, social media, we've got videos out there and photos of um, the Blockchain Center on Facebook. But if you want to look at our website, it's www.blockchaincenter.com.au. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, John. And, Thanks for uh, that, Matt. And we'll watch this space. All right. We'll cool. talk to you again soon. Cheers. This just gets me so pumped, man. I yep. mean, it's just, there's like, they're not letting, they're not waiting for somebody else to do it. They're just doing it. Yeah, yeah. And the energy when you're at that place is is, is brilliant, you know, and insane. it's got so much happening. I get their updates um, for, on Twitter and, and by email and whatever else. And they've got an event there nearly every night, wow. you know, just, just all sorts of different things from trading to blockchain basics to uh, um, investment, um, you know, in, investment meetings and all just there's always something happening there wow. so it's just, uh, it's just a really cool thing that they're doing so we'll um we'll put the links in the show notes to the blockchain center and uh yeah reach out to them if you if you you're interested in what they're doing we tried calling jordan but we just couldn't really get through to him um Hey, we'll we'll have to try again later. Mm, yeah, we had a similar thing happen with Dan as well. He's uh he's gone a little bit off the radar. I, I just wonder whether the uh, look he he brought out his ultimate ICO success platform, but uh, the market's gone pretty dark. You know, yeah. it's, it's a bit of a bear market going on at the moment. Mm. So I wonder whether he's just cooking up something else mm. to uh, to take advantage of of the current <laughs> circumstance. So we'll have to check back with him the next episode we'll be keeping our eyes peeled (laughs) do you know someone who might enjoy this Um, please feel free to share it with them you can find us at FOMO.show you can jump in our telegram at FOMO.show slash telegram you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show. And Facebook at facebook.com slash the FOMO show. You can also follow us at YouTube at FOMO.show slash YouTube. That's it for us here at the FOMO show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always, remember, no FOMO. First, we get block, and then we, um, uh, how you say, we, we put in we put in chain, and uh, then you you get chain of blocks. Simple, very simple. Is is revolution revolutionary idea. Yeah, so this week's privacy and security tool is YubiKey. Privacy. Damn it. Privacy. <laughs> privacy. You say privacy, I say privacy.
Great success. Oh, that was a good episode, Mate, man. we've absolutely pumped that was it out. A, yeah, we did. No mucking around Mate, there. And there's like one outtake. <laughs> <laughs> the whole show. To be fair, last week it was like 10 minutes of outtake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, people definitely got a big dose last week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no Jordan, no Dan. No Dan. No Crypto Spiriters. Hey, it's like the school holidays. No Larry the Luddite. No. Everyone's on holidays. Nobody's nobody's, nobody's even doing anything for the for the show anymore. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Or all you see in the garden shed every day. <laughs> 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 that would probably be misconstrued. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> it probably would. That would probably sound real bad. 